everyone. Welcome to Critical Hit, a major spoilers Dungeons & Dragons podcast, where we play Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition, explain it to you, and tell a great story along the way. Last time, our adventurers brought down a dragon, Rodrigo. A dragon Rodrigo? Yes, the <laughs> dragon Rodrigo. No. Mother, Bar. I'm doing it all for you, mother! <laughs> all right, so... It's a stupid kraken. That's right. Um... Sue, last time on Critical Hit, the four adventurers did in fact take down a dragon. Okay. Um, so, the four of you took down a dragon, big yes. scary white dragon with a weird mark on its head, um, who kind of crashed your dinner, literally. Um, <coughs> no, I forgot to ask. What happened to all the other people in the dining hall? Or were we the only we people were, in the, were the only Oh, we were the only dining hall. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so poke my head out in the hall. Is there, like, anybody there running? No. When you, you go over to poke your head out, um, which, you know, it's still difficult to rain suits. Yeah. <laughs> poke Someone your head out. And, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and coming down the hallway is Avur. The guy that you met earlier, the big dragon-blooded guy with the wearing plate, um, along with a couple of guards who just seem to be, you know, guys with pole arms. They're mm-hmm. just humans um, wearing armor. Yeah. And these guys are leveled up, so you better not pick a fight with them. Stupid prone. Um, so, um... <laughs> Avur yeah, looks over at Albrecht and says uh, we heard a commotion <laughs> is everything alright? <coughs> it's fine now uh, what do you want us to do with this guy? he <coughs> you know waddles into the room <laughs> he actually takes his cape and like drapes it over one arm so that it doesn't get wet um, and then makes his way into the room along with his guards Goes over, looks at the shallowly breathing dragon. Like, ah, uh, yes, yes. I believe this is the dragon Coleopharsis. That's what he said. And he attacked you? Yes. He mm-hmm. said, Arg, I'm Coleopharsis, and I've come, mother, to eat these heretics in proof of something, something, something dark side. I'm not sure what it was all about. So, I suppose maybe he was attacking you in order to get back into the good graces of his mother. Yeah, so he rambled something along those lines while smashing through the roof. Well, Coleopharsis has been exiled for quite some time. He is not in my lady's favor, so you, uh, you did her a favor by dispatching him. Uh, he he's not completely out yet. We didn't know if you wanted us to uh, kill him or if you would want to deal with him yourself. Oh, great! <laughs> now I have to go ask. I suppose I will go put a message through and see what my lady wants to do with it. In the meantime, he motions to the other guys to basically flank the body. If he starts to make any trouble, just kill him. 
Um, did you all manage to finish your dinner? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, you're welcome to go back to your rooms. I will send for you when uh, my lady Tiamat is ready to see you. Enjoy your stay. Uh, they really know how to throw a dinner around here, eh? Uh, and I'm guessing you guys are making your way out and down yes, the hallway. Yes, Waddle, waddle, waddle. Wait up! It was a wise choice to uh, spare the dragon. Not I don't know if it's going to be taken that way here, though. Gotta admit, though, for a guy with uh, no axe, you kind of do some good work there. Thank you. Oh, I hope that was the right decision. Well, ain't no use worrying about it now. Try and figure out how you can spin it both directions with that pretty talk that you do. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, however, I feel is most likely probably the safest. Well, worst case scenario, you can tell her that uh, you gave her a gift of one of her heretics to execute, I guess. Uh, Pre- presents are a good idea, right? Usually. Wasn't our place to kill your son, ma'am, but here he is. <laughs> we'll be happy to watch. Well, maybe uh, I can do this evil thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can uh, worry about it when the time comes. In terms of size, Rodrigo, mm-hmm. how big is this city in, say, comparison to the vineyard or to... Well, it is nowhere near as big as Shall I, okay. yeah. for one. Um... It is definitely at least as big as the Exilarchy of Cogs. Okay. Um, not not in not much bigger if it's if it's actually bigger. Um, but yes, definitely you could fit a bunch of these within Shalai. Okay. It's by far the largest city that you have ever been in. Okay. I was um, just curious about distance and, and time and comparing it to a Bahamut city, which. Seven Owls Wise has been in, it is of comparable size. Okay. But definitely a lot less geometrically aligned. Okay. So you guys get back to your room. Yep. Yep. Or your suite with a nice hot tub in the center. I think that would be a good time for a bath. Get some of this dragon blood off of me. Yep. All right. So you all get in the tub? <laughs> I suppose. It's a big hot tub. Yep. Rub it up, dub. <laughs> Three quarter orc in a tub. <laughs> now it is time for that ancient dwarven chant. <laughs> Rubber ducky, you're the one. I'll make us to bath time. Lots of fun. You have to throw these and those in it to make it all, you know, morphy. Yep. Oldie timey. Chat. All the timey. So, who all is taking a relaxing hot tub soak? Yo. Okay. Sure, why not? It was kind of cold in there. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of warm up a little bit. Let's go. 
little eye candy for the ogre ladies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So there you guys are in the tub. <laughs> so four strikers are in a hot tub. Yep. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence follows. <laughs> uh, how about that local sports team? Uh, they're not having such a good year. I really don't keep up with the sports. <laughs> and what is your next move? Speak with Tiamat. Did this situation change your approach? We'll see. <laughs> I guess we haven't been made privy of the uh, sell torque soul to the devil kind of. Well, no. but you can ask. Okay. Did the situation change your approach? Okay. Yep. I did. Uh, hey, were you going to sell torque soul? <laughs> <laughs> we're not selling his soul to the devil. Releasing or just it selling his servitude to with the out. option to purchase at a later date. <laughs> it's like rent a center. Uh, that way, we improve our profit margin and sell the same cheap crap. Blood and soul, slightly used. Yeah, we got nothing to talk about, do we? Not really, no. <laughs> All right, I'm. Uh, gonna go over there and take a nap alright probably best to recharge yes say my prayers quietly <laughs> take your vitamins Muhammad suddenly looks like Hulk Hogan in my mind I assume Zelgaius is like either sitting in the tub next to me or like on the edge of the tub right beside me sure He's probably on the edge. He doesn't want to get in. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start speaking with him. Okay. Uh, mostly thinking aloud, mulling over uh, my plan. Okay. Uh, so, what's your take on this, buddy? Uh, well, uh, what uh, what part specifically? Oh. Uh, Gifting her torque. Um. Well, it's a thought, but I hope you're got a uh, additional offer handy, seeing as how she probably recruits half works all the time. I mean, sure, this one's big and strong and scary and dumb and uh, has fangs and hair, but I'm sure she sees lots of those. Yeah, I don't think she sees any quite as special as this one. <laughs> yes, but you're going to have to convince her of that. True. Hmm. What else would we have to offer her, though? Hmm. You do have those sending rituals. You can always talk to Belbina. I would be surprised if she didn't give you any extra time to think about things. There's probably something she wants. In fact, that's probably the best thing you can do, is first try to figure out what she wants. 
true. But we've only got two of those sending rituals. I don't want to uh, use them to uh, too quickly, as we'll need to contact Orm and Randis once uh, we're done with the first three. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they might be able to, uh, if we might be able to procure more here. Uh, I'm sure you would, assuming they don't continue to attack you. Yeah. By the way, you you do realize that that was a, a deliberate attempt, right? Oh, almost oh, definitely. Okay. Which I'm hoping our uh, physical prowess may help sway her in our favor. Mm. <laughs> Although sparing him was probably a mistake. That's entirely possible. But I'm sure you can spin it. I've spun worse. <laughs> Oh, we should get some rest. We've got a lot coming up to us. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm just going to crawl into <coughs> your backpack, swallow my own tail, and curl into a ball. Enjoy. Get out of the tub and go to my room. Okay. You guys get some rest. <laughs> Cha-ching. So, so all of our dailies reset. All of your dailies recharge. Action points reset to one. Healing surges reset to full. Hit points reset to full. And at some point, you are all given a message that Tiamat was supposed to see you now, but you're going to have to wait. Then you are later on given another message that Tiamat was going to see you now, but you're going to have to wait. And about mid-afternoon, you get a message that Tiamat will see you now. Alright, well, when one of the first messengers comes up, I'm going to see about getting some scrolls ascending. Okay. He'll get you some with a, we'll say, double the charge. Ouch. Two of them. Yep. Well, let's make sure I can afford two of them. No, that's not what I wanted. Nice, that'll work. How much are they? I'm looking it up. That's just the, uh... Ritual, ritual, ritual. 360 gold market price. So, 360 times 2 times 4. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 4. Yeah. 1400 for 14,400. 14,000? 12, yeah, 1440. 14. Yeah. 
1,440. I don't have enough for two of them. Huh. Here, friend. About 740. Well, I mean, 720. Yeah, I've got the 720. Here, friend. Here's 200 from my collection. Also, before you go buying around, <laughs> yeah. maybe you should ask if anybody else has ways of getting in contact with people. True. Do either of the two of you know Bababina? I've met her once. I do. Do you have any way to contact her? Any rituals or anything? I don't see any rituals. Although I am a ritual practicer, I don't know the sending ritual, but... Can you learn it from a scroll? Yeah. Alright. Learning the ritual. Yep. Does that use up the scroll? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see the specifics. And even if it doesn't, we'll say that it does because otherwise you would have to pay to learn the spell anyway. Yeah. So it'll be the same amount of money. Mm. Except if he actually goes out and tries to learn it here, it'll be a lot more expensive. True. Greedy bastards. Although it is keyed off of Arcana. <laughs> well, you're just what? bad at it. Well, at least I'm trained. There's that. But I can help. Yep. <laughs> Torque can help. So what type of range would we be looking for to reach? Shall I? Um, let's see. And would it be even within the 1,000 miles, or is it just more or less we'd have to hit that 40 or higher? You would have to hit the... Let me see. I'm going to bet that's not the scale. <laughs> sure it is. Let's write a scale. <laughs> One inch equals two miles. Well, it kind of is to scale. The thing about it is is that it this stuff expands a lot farther. Like, right. when you said that the other guys were going to the Sea of Sickness. That's, like, out here. Right, right. But, yeah, that's, you know. Um, Sorry, I'm having trouble finding the ritual. Yeah, it's 30 to 39 for 1,000 miles, 20 to 29 for 500. Um, we'll say that if you hit I want to be able to look at it before I make a ruling. Wait a minute. What about the uh, the I can't remember what the clay box thing is called. <laughs> oh, the uh, police box thing? Yeah. The blotter? Yes. Mm-hmm. I would still have Try that it. on me. Okay. Um, can anybody hear me? Do we have an authorization code for that thing? Yes, we have an authorization code now. <laughs> Delta 9 or 1. I don't think you do. We got Either it. way, it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the walkie-talkies aren't good for interstellar distances. 
It was worth a try. Sending this so weak. <laughs> Isn't it? Um if only there was something greater. Like far sending or true sending. <laughs> yeah, we'll say you have to hit twenty and above. Which so means you should be able to hit a twenty without too many problems. Alright. Without too much problems. <laughs> Fifty GP per Wait, what are you doing? Yeah, you want me to send something? No, I was just writing down the details. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. We need to ask Bal Belbina if the... Because it's 25 words to and then 25 words back. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything specifically that Tiamat wants? Anything specific Tiamat wants? Authorized... What authorized to trade... I'd yeah. Basically, is there anything specific that Tiamat would want, and are what are exactly are we authorized to give her? That's what you're here to talk to her about. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't, I don't want to necessarily take you completely out of character, but you need to find out what she wants before you can start negotiating. Like just saying, what are we willing to trade? You might walk in and say, I, I'm prepared to offer you thirty bazillion dollars, and she's like, I have thirty bazillion dollars. And then what are you going to do? Send another ritual to say, Oh, what else do we have? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's just go to it then. Thirty bazillion and one dollars. Oh, deal. <laughs> thirty bazillion dollars and this shiny thing I found on the floor. Oh. Alright, so you guys head down. Eventually you are met by some priests who take you down into the very center of this many, many story palace. Um, The halls get progressively wider and wider as you go. Um, And also higher, just in general. They continue to spiral downward until you are pretty sure at the very, very bottom of it. Um, Here, there is an enormous, just enormous hall, um, and at the center of it, there is basically its, its own, like, standalone building, which is itself huge. Um... There are about 20 dragonborn, um, all wearing heavy plate and carrying big glaives, just um, in formation around it. And the priest leads you toward it. There are these enormous double doors with, you know, the little, like, knocker guys, which are just so high up that there's no way that, you know, the four of you standing on each other's shoulders will be able to reach them. Oh. Um, there are torches here, all of which make this place very, very muggy and smoky. And the priests walk up. One of them talks to the one of the dragonborn guards. He nods, and the pris- priest leads you right up to the door. Are you prepared? 
Yeah. He walks up and just holds his hands up and the doors open. And this rolling green smoke just comes out of the room. You know, basically it goes up to your knees, this like green mist. And he walks in. Follow. As we start to lean in, I just lean over to him and say, remember the Ponzi scheme. Or the pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. So you guys walk and walk, and there's no light in here. Um, The priest stops at one point, looks up, and says, my lady Tiamat. And this pair of red eyes just appears in the darkness. These are the envoys that you are expecting today. And you see the eyes nod. The priest turns around. And, you know, he's wearing one of those gold masks. Um, But you can't see his eyes through it. And he kind of gives you a... um, Like, just kind of this humorously pitying you look (laughs) and makes his way out the doors close behind him and when they close you see another pair of eyes open then another one, then another one, then another one Um, as these torches around the whole room spring to life and you find yourselves in front of the goddess Tiamat she has five heads and is a truly just colossal dragon. I mean, she is several stories tall. Um, the head at the very center has is red, has some horns, and kind of ends in a little beak. It's got some little fangs poking out of it. Um, the head immediately to the left of that is blue. It has a big um, kind of rhino horn and these, like, fin-like ears. The one immediately after that is white and is strangely reminiscent of that guy who recently tried to kill you. <laughs> um, again, kind of sleek and ends in a little bit of a beak. Um, on the other side, the head immediately to the right of the red head is green, has a long crocodilian snout, and has teeth poking in every direction. And a little bit of a frill. And then the one after that is black, has these downward curving horns, and also is very thin, and is actually um, drooling some slime that, when it hits the ground, kind of uh, hisses and becomes this greenish mist that you guys are surrounded by. She appears to actually be literally sitting on an enormous pile of gold and jewels. All five heads stare at you. Yeah. One each and two on cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if I'm not freaked out enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's the two heads on the sides, too, so it's even harder to look at both of them. <laughs> it's a cross It's a cross hatch. Yep. Ooh, 
trying to figure out what uh, her honorific should be. Sure. We'll we'll extend and compress time as necessary. Presumably, this all happens, you know, Fairly. a lot what faster. What did you just than... call her? Huh? Or I haven't he called her call anything. Her. I'm trying to figure did out he what. Say I... my lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might try greetings, Lady Tiamat. Yeah. Ah. To start. Yeah. Greetings, Lady Tiamat. I am. Hazard. Ah. My companions are Albrecht Greybeard. Ghostbeard. Ghostbeard. <laughs> it's alright. New character. Seven L's wise. And ah. I'll gesture to Torque. My name is Halston Thorkelson. Halston and I are part of Arathus's uh, layman initiative that you may or may not have heard of. That you probably have heard of. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, we are here to ask for your uh, help in dealing with the cyst and the gods of the void. Um, the uh, central head opens its mouth a little bit and you hear this uh, deep woman's voice come from it although it doesn't actually you know move its mouth and lips and stuff it just kind of snarls a little bit and you hear her voice in, in your head just a little disconcerting. Ah, yes. We have had envoys here before. As we have been informed. We are different from the other envoys as we are working with the Pentatheon as opposed to for the Pentatheon. The Cist challenges the Cist and the Gods of the Void challenge all of uh, creation. All of creation uh, and need to be dealt with before they overrun anyone else. Hmm. Uh, I realize you may be uh, keeping them at bay here, or may not have been dealing with them here as much yet. But they are becoming a problem for the entirety of the Astral Sea. And it is only with the uh, help of both the armies of the Pentatheon and the armies that you would provide that we may succeed in turning them back. Hmm. It sounds to me, once again, as 
Bahamut trying to get other people to fight as fights for him. Bahamut has already pledged the bulk of his forces to our cause. As have Arathus, Corallon, the Raven Queen, and Melora. Hmm. I see. The Pentatheon understands the uh, threat the Void Gods represent and are willing to put aside any differences they have with between themselves and amongst you to stop them at whatever cost. Hmm. Well, that's good, I suppose. In that case, where do I need to get involved? If the mighty gods of the Pentatheon are already pledging themselves to this. Because what the gods of the Pentatheon are able to offer is not going to be enough for our plan to uh, come to full fruition. We need an army to press through the... Uh, The perimeter. Yeah, the perimeter into the cyst so we can destroy it. Hmm. And we want... We are certain that the uh, armies that we have at our disposal right now are not enough. With your aid and potentially with the aid of other members of the Dark Council... we may have enough to succeed. Hmm. The, uh, big red dragon head lowers down onto some money and kind of rubs up against it a little bit and closes its eyes. Hmm. Not, not very interesting. And the other heads begin to lower a little bit as well. The black one actually goes. We are prepared to offer. Value. To services rendered. The. Uh, the the eye. On the red head. That is facing you opens. And it's looking right at you. Oh. What is it that you would like? Hmm. I don't know that you have anything that would interest me. And when she says that, all the heads perk up and they all kind of give you this smug head shake, just kind of in their own way. Um, it's it's pretty disconcerting. There's a lot of moving. Um, I have riches. I have items of eldritch power I don't know that you have anything that you could give me what about status 
I am a goddess. The only status that would interest me is one that propels me above my fellow gods. How about... How about first in the line to uh, take down the cyst? Are you suggesting that I actually join the fray myself? None of the others would. None of the Pentathion have pledged but the armies. Not only would you be the only one there, you could be a hero and they say there's hundreds of different creatures outside of the cyst. They just show up. No one has been able to successfully fight them. No one has been able to even stand against them for more than a minute. Think of the legends when Lady Tiamat single-handedly destroyed the god monster perimeter with her five heads and her army leading lesser beings and other beings behind as she went. Mm. Sounds like a fool's errand. What else? What about patronage of one of the men who actually a man who is single-handedly not quite single-handedly but who has confronted and killed one of the void gods previously took took both hands (laughs) (laughs) and is going to take down the rest of the void gods a champion Mm mm-hmm and you have such a creature? Motion for Torque to step forward. We have such a creature. And she, at all five heads, look at Torque. And you would be willing to become my champion to do this? Your champion, your general. I could bring others to your cause. I could mm. command legions. Well, let me ask you this. And when she says that, this long, long tail comes out from the back. Um, the It is a long lizard-like tail, except at the end it begins to segment and ends in a huge stinger. And it just very gently lies down between Torque and everyone else and then begins to move towards the wall, basically pushing the rest of you away from him. <laughs> oh, this is scary, man. <laughs> All right, right, we get to hint. <laughs> scary, scary. And she doesn't move her tail afterwards. So it's actually uh, Albrecht can't actually see over the tail. <laughs> So, (laughs) you would forsake your current employers, the Pentatheon, and 
join my church and become one of my champions? If it brings you into the fray, then yes, ma'am. Oh, so you are doing this simply because you want my help? Not simply, no. We need your help. We need the privilege of your help and your assistance. You are willing to do this simply because you want me to help. I'm willing to do this in order to keep the void from destroying everything. What do you want, little orc? I want things to be less stupid. Hmm. You want things to go back to the way they were? For some people. Do you want to go back home? I don't think I could go back home if I was working as your general and your champion, ma'am. Oh, you might be able to. What do you want? Tell me what you want. Now I'm curious. And she actually, like, slides forward. Like, you see her huge claws just kind of slide forward in her pile of money, and her entire body just slides a little bit towards Torque, and all of the heads just kind of lower even more. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I hadn't really much thought about it. Just tell me, right now, what do you want? I want you to join our cause. Okay. You are... You want to become my champion so that I will join your cause. Because? It's, uh... I guess I don't understand the question. Well... So, let's say that I join your cause, and my glorious army helps you defeat the Void. What do you want out of that situation? After the war is done, what do you want to do? Or, why are you even fighting this war? Because somebody has to. Because somebody has to. Hmm, that sounds like duty to me. I don't know if it's duty, ma'am. I know that... Not a... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying... I, I don't know which of you to look at, ma'am. That is alright. You're confusing me. <laughs> what do I want? Yes. Why are you fighting? I want... Have you, has you ever seen Moonhold? I'm aware of its existence and also probably, of its eradication. You've probably seen everything. When I was growing up in Moonhold, I thought that Moonhold was a whole world. And I thought that if I could, you know, figure out the streets of Moonhold, then I could figure out anything because I'd know how to go everywhere and do everything because everything you need is in Moonhold. And then all of this stuff broke loose. And the moon exploded and the sky turned red and, and, and like that. And I realized that there's a lot more than just moon hold. 
And then somehow I ended up in the astral sea, and I realized there's even more than the world of Moonhold is is all about. And in all of them worlds, there's hundreds and hundreds of people, like maybe 20 in every world, or 50. There's lots of them, right? You know this. You're smarter than me. Mm -hmm. And all those people have stuff. And all those people get up every day and they think, how am I going to get what I want? And all of them people don't have the slightest idea what's going on. I think my, my boss used to say that it's stupid to be a hero because the hero just keeps things the way they are. But I didn't believe him because I thought about this and I thought about how things ain't never going to be the same when I get back. So I guess what I want, what I really want, is when this is done, I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to have a purpose. And I want to be able to do that purpose and maybe hit things sometimes, but because I'm good at that. Hmm... And I figure if they destroy everything that is and everything that was and everything that's ever going to be, then all, all, all we got is nothing. And you you don't want no nothing, and I don't want no nothing. So I'm saying that in order to in order to set things right, I'm going to see. I'm offering my purpose to you. You can tell me what my purpose is. And then stuff. Like that. I see. She, uh, takes her tail back. Hmm. Still sounds a little... dutiful. Honestly, I was hoping for... a little bit baser motivations and she actually lifts up a claw and scratches her blue head um I, I like funnel cakes yes well don't we all yeah <laughs> and the black head again goes <laughs> well unfortunately you would not be a good fit as my champion, Torque. You don't have that hunger. You don't have that need. You seem to be uh, unfortunately focused on the needs of others. And that is something that my organization has no use for. Not as a banner, anyway. However... I have a personal need and that is that my children the dragon serpents of the astral sea are very very bound by the treaty of worms being celestial beings now there are loopholes to the treaty but there aren't many loopholes or many easily exploitable loopholes and as she's doing this, she's kind of picking up, you know, sort of fists and cranium-sized gems and looking at them and tossing them back and 
doing you know random fiddly things. <laughs> so they haven't gotten to really gorge recently. So here's my proposal for you. I will pledge some of my forces to your crusade as long as my serpents get to eat anyone who falls overboard. Anyone. Friend or foe. For they hunger. They hunger so very much. I'm afraid the phrase falls overboard. Yeah. <laughs> well, presumably most of this is going to be taking place on astral vessels. True. That said, it's probably pretty broad. I'm guessing if some, you know, giant winged celestial being gets hit hard enough and falls into the astral sea, it'll probably be fair game. I assume they aren't normally fair game? Uh, not from what you're saying. So basically, out of character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's... She is saying that she will assist us in return for eating anyone who falls into the territory alphabetically. Yes. Friends, mm. foes, anyone who falls over, her critters get to eat. That's a pretty terrible price. How likely is it that someone actually would survive if they got into the Astral Sea anyways? Humans, not very. Other things, you know, there's plenty of things that have cold and uh, radiant resistance. Hell, at this level you could probably have PCs with cold and radiant resistance. You know, this does open another question. He said, compressing time out of character. Sure. <laughs> if anything were particularly dangerous, didn't we just, you know, have the option of luring it into the Astral Sea and let it get eaten? True. Well, she's also implying that there would be more than just horrible serpents. Like, those are just the bonus, because that's where the buffet is. Yeah. <laughs> like, she would actually pledge some amount of muscle besides Fighters. that. But the horrible serpents. Mm. So the question is, do we feel authorized to make this decision? Just torque the veil. <laughs> She'll, uh, and she will kind of give you a somewhat dismissive hand wave. If you need to check with your people, go ahead. Just do it over there. Like out of the room or no just over down farther down the hallway she probably still wants to keep tabs on what you're actually doing yeah. she's just being dismissive to you and your stupid face <laughs> hey so question <laughs> the man or the world wise uh, what if one of these gods fell into the astral sea well the, it's also not saying that anything that falls into the astral sea has to put their arms at their sides and let themselves get eaten. It's just saying it's legal for them to be eaten. Right, right, right. Well, that's what I'm thinking, is that if there are any other gods that get into it, what more power play than to accidentally tip the ship so somebody tumbles in 
And mm-hmm. but I highly doubt any of the normal serpents in the astral sea will be able to take down that god. It's uh, enough of a well, enough you gotta, of a risk. You gotta hope that they can. <laughs> yes, it's enough of a risk, though. That is the question. Send your message. Yeah. I say we do it. I'm with Torque, but we want to make sure that that's not something <laughs> we're going to get killed for. Send your message. Yeah. You ready? I suppose. Uh, to Balbabina, we're going to send... You're not, you're not supposed to be counting until I actually start the message. Oh, I thought that Four. counted too. To Balbabina, we're going to send... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Belvina. How's the family? <laughs> anyway, what we wanted to ask you was this very important no, matter of... <laughs> Evil dragon one, wants one, to eat One answer dead. back. Yes or no. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Tiamat wants her children in the sea to have free reign of anything that falls in. Yeah, probably right around there. You're at uh, 18. 20, so. It's 25 words. Yeah. Yeah. Yours truly. Ken. <laughs> to the Astral Sea. That yeah. falls overboard. That falls to overboard. Astral Sea. Huh. Yeah, you can probably lose the definite articles and save yourself words. I've, I've got seven extra words yet. <laughs> Dear Balbina, stop. No. Does uh does she want this for just the battle or any time from now on? I think just for the battle. Okay. Abrogate Treaty of Worms question mark. <laughs> yeah. Love Ket. Send it. Question mark. Question mark is two words. Okay, you send it? Yes. We'll just plot this one, you don't have to roll. Alright. We do need to spend the 50. Good, because he'd roll you do, seven. You do need to spend the gold. And am it. I down a uh, scroll or because he used it? Because yes. he used it to learn it, yeah. Okay. Okay. You send it? Yep. Um, You get a response. We are checking on it. Did you actually, you guys actually tag on the part about the Treaty of Worms? Yeah. Okay, yeah. she says, we are checking on it. Do your damn research. Do your damn research. I'm not a researcher. What the <laughs> hell is she talking about? <laughs> talking to the wrong group. <laughs> is that a history check for the treaty? Uh, religion. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> oh, I will roll religion, man. Hang on. No. 18 it, it, if plus it's 4 if it's been mentioned up to this point and you guys haven't rolled on it at this point <laughs> you guys don't know it don't know it. It, it it would it would hurt the plot at this point for you for it to be like oh, oh yeah, yeah i know all this stuff <laughs> oh crap this is something i should have remembered <laughs> fortunately my brain is small and easily these two guys frightened. might know something about it what do you know about the treaty of worms seven <laughs> I don't know much about it. I, I'm just a lowly give me a, soldier. Give me a religion check. But religion. I remember from my religion school. <laughs> yes, but when Did I was it? in... Oh, whoops. Yep. Yes. 14 plus 9 is uh, 23. That's 25 a lot. 
25? Okay. Here's what you both know about the Treaty of Worms. The Treaty of Worms was the treaty that ended the war between all the, all the gods, the war of entities. It is the treaty that sent some gods to sleep, which is where there's only five and five. There are lots of strictures to it. For example, that actual celestial beings can't set foot on each other's cities. You know, celestial beings from the other side, essentially. Okay. Um, and it does have a lot of other strictures, which is why, really, historically speaking, why a lot of these issues are handled through human intermediaries. It might actually be the only reason why clerics and paladins and all those guys exist. Hmm. Um... So, the cyst is in Shalai, right? No. no. The big red spot there is the oh, cyst. Oh, okay. All right. So, Shalai is over here. Okay. No. The cyst is not in Shalai. Okay. Shalai is the closest to the cyst currently. All right. So, the dragons eating people wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with tree. Correct. But... Because they are celestial beings, their actions are heavily moderated as to what they can and can't attack. And they probably have a taste for, you know, shiny divine things. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't be bringing this up. I have to say she's going for a power play. Yeah. But more can play at that game. <laughs> we can spare a few guts. Well, two things I would say before we go back in. Number one, if the void continues, her wealth is gone. Number two, who knows what wealth is on the other side of that portal. Yeah, you're talking about closing the portal, though. Yes. yes. And the only ones and that are going through are us. <laughs> and you have big arms. <laughs> we'll probably not be coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have big arms. <laughs> I don't think that she's going to be swayed by telling her she can have stuff. She doesn't necessarily want stuff. She wants stuff no one else has. She wants everybody else to know and be jealous of how much stuff she has. I say we agree to it. I say it's what's your call. It's not going to hurt anything. What, what's the worst that could happen? Approved. Blam! Ha ha! Let's do it! You have Oh, mail. we got a message mm -hmm. from... Yep. You Obina. have mail. Mm -hmm. Pattern falls. <laughs> Lady Tiamat? Yes. Ah, you have yourself a deal. Hmm. Good. So, I will pledge a sizable amount of troops, as well as my astral serpents. And my serpents get to eat anything that falls overboard into until the astral sea. Until mm -hmm. the conflict is over. Certainly, only during the conflict. Absolutely. Very Thank well. You, uh... We appreciate your audience. Feel free to stay as long as you want. And not here, of course. You should leave my chamber now. <laughs> Back up. Yep. Yep. 
Back up bowing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we like pie. Uh, thank you. Alright, you guys make your way out. That, that could have gone worse. <sighs> um, yeah. To find that... Uh, actually, I don't know that this is the case. Do any of you have non-enchanted boots? Mm, yeah. I, I don't. All right. I think uh, mine are enchanted, right? They should be. You, you use don't. the power off. Yeah, and so got yeah. no boots. So only Ket and Seven Owls have actual magic boots? Yep. I have magic boots. Oh, you have magic boots. Oh, yeah. You have your fall... And at a fall wherever you want boots. My, so my you're gonna need new boots again. All our boots are gone. Man, still no, man. you guys don't. Oh, okay. Uh, Albrecht needs new boots. The acid mist ate through his oh, shoes. Okay. Yep, not entirely, but they're ruined. They're not gonna do you much good as you know, out in a f- battlefield or say you know a random area covered in ice and glass shards. These would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we didn't mention... What time of the day is it? Um, Mid-afternoon. Getting to evening. We ha- Do we have time to make it back to the ship and move on? Probably not quite. Hmm. So we'll stay for tonight then, head out in the morning? I think so. Alright, let's head, send word to the ship. It's still there. <laughs> Let Captain Steubing know we're going to take off first thing tomorrow. Yep. Okay. Well, you guys have some time. What do you do? I'm a little worried think about you how can make another scroll. Something's wrong. Well, another sending? Or what? I guess we won't need it for right now. So we'll be good. Very well. Where's the map? I need the map. Mappy map, map. I want to the map. I'm going to go drink something really heavy. Okay. Maybe maybe start a fight. Okay. You might want to go out of the palace to do that. Oh, I'll yeah, see if they have of... any kind of marketplace to get me new boots. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> They have a nice, overpriced marketplace. However, things that would normally be contraband are just out in the open. Drugs, slaves, stuff like that. Slave drugs. Yep. Someone follow Torque. <laughs> I suppose. Okay. When Torque when Tork gets into a bar fight, is uh, Seven Owls going to jump in? Sure, I'm there to protect him. That's my job. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's Ket doing? Ket? Oh, my God. <laughs> First off, I'm getting a copy of the Treaty of Worms. Trying to try, I'm trying to figure out where I could get one. Okay. Ask if there's this a servant that could place. get me one or if I'm going to have to. Reginald probably has one. Okay. So I'm going to need to read that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I'm going to start making some bureaucracy checks. 
That's probably right. the kind of thing we might have looked into before we started doing this. Yeah. Now that we're 63, 60% of the way through getting all the gods together to fight us, or fight for us, us. <laughs> yeah, whatever. No, thank you. 63 all one of the same. Keep in mind, 100% of the gods I have fought so far are dead. I, I suppose that's true. Can you say that? No, certainly not. No, but your other two compatriots can. I don't know. Divide by zero. <laughs> yeah, but you'll note that I had three compatriots when I went in there. Ooh, too soon. <laughs> stop giving me the finger, Rob. I said, right. stop it. So you get yourself a copy <laughs> of the Treaty of Worms to read. Yeah. Congratulations. You're officially the captain of the bobsled team. While everybody's out partying, you're at home studying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere that's not really at the bulwark right now. Because mm -hmm. I have multitudes of different things to plan for. Okay. You pick out your game yet? Yep. Okay. Do you want to tell him, Brian, since it was your idea? It's your game. You're playing it. <laughs> Moon hold him. Moon hold him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he asked me for a game. Why is it labeled the horrible job killing treaty of worms? I don't get it. Huh. Um. Do you want an explanation for Moon Hold'em? Has a twist. Nah, we'll save it for later. Okay. And other than that, uh, I'll be practicing up on that, making, you know, recalculating odds, doing all that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, and figuring out who we're going to next. If we're going to the gulag or if we're going to the palace. Okay. Sounds good. Um, you guys are going to be able to get into some fights, study, and dwarf around, um, without too much incident. Um, if you guys want to find out more information about the city, I can tell you more about it later. And, you know, the next day is going to roll around and you guys are going to be able to set sail out of here. And we'll just wrap there. All right. That's it for this episode. Matthew, are you still there? I think my computer locked up and we lost Matthew. Oh. Which is okay. <laughs> I guess we're at the end. So we're just going to answer some questions. Okay. Um, okay, before we get out of here this week, we've got a couple of questions. First one's kind of long. Uh, this one is from Mike, who says, As a long-time listener and newbie DM, five or so months now, I wanted to tell you that I love your show and how the other half lives. That's not to say I don't love episodes that advance the main plot of our faithful heroes, but I love the ro that Rodrigo is able to, uh, to able to offer snippets of the story and foreshadow at times when it might be tough to work that information in naturally to your campaign. Um, personally, he's been running a pre-made campaign, uh, but he's going to give them their own helping of how the other half lives. Um, they run it on computer. They do it on some other things. Um, 
Let's see. He's trying to get them to go on a side quest to introduce the next major villain to the piece. As they're mostly new players, they've had a bit of trouble coming out of their shells in, role, in a role-playing sense. Uh, I'm hoping to force them to try and become strong players, single-minded characters that is different from their own, um, to give them new things to play with when they return to their main characters in a week or two. Here's the question. I'm planning to end the spin-off session with two of the characters who, unbeknownst to the party, are working for the main villain, turning on the party and engaging in some good old-fashioned player versus player. There will always be NPCs present to make it feel a bit more epic, but I was wondering if you had any advice on how to go about this. I was essentially going to just let them roll free and lend support uh, from the NPCs as available. I remember you stating that PvP isn't the best idea, but I thought it could be fun as a one-time event. Anyway, any advice would be appreciated. As far as having... He's basically having half the party turn on the other half? That's what it sounds like from his description. Uh, make sure you balance out which half is going to do the turn. Like, uh, Since you're doing an how the other half lives sort of thing, you're going to be giving them the characters. Make sure uh, they, the two characters that turn will be an even match for the two characters that are still good. You don't want to say, have the defender and the leader turn right. and have the striker and the controller be the only uh, to be the two other ones. Because right. Right. the defender and the leader are just going to crush them. Right. It, they're, the defender and leader tend to be tougher, tend to be uh, right. uh, harder to hit, more hit points. And they can heal themselves. They can heal themselves. A lot of defenders can heal themselves and the leader can heal everybody. So, so And you probably want to build the characters uh less straightforward and more uh, so they all both ha all have like very obvious secondary roles mm -hmm. uh, like Orem and here is obviously a controller secondary striker although the argument can be the <laughs> other way around same thing for Torque being uh, defender secondary striker argument being made for the other way around right. uh, in fact Randis is about the only one who well Randis is yeah, Randis is the only one who's really straightforward leader. Yeah. Uh, Ket is striker, controller, leader. Yeah. I can do anything but defend, and I can still take a hit pretty well. Uh, it's you just want to make sure that they're balanced out. Okay. It's it's not a bad idea. It's it's definitely if you're gonna do it, you doing it in a one shot is a good idea. Yes. Um. You know, uh, be careful. Like Rob said about balancing the party, and be careful about the instructions that you give the players. Make sure that they're that the, the 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 thing is very straightforward. When this happens, you're gonna turn on the other guys. These are the rules from the big bad, because otherwise the players are gonna be like N now, 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 and the other <laughs> players are gonna suspect. Um, and in this sort of thing, if they know that they're gonna give, get betrayed from the beginning. There's kind of no point in doing it anyway. Okay, another question. This one comes from uh, Slim. Uh, I'm starting a new campaign. He says, new campaign this Saturday. What do I do? This is a date of January 10th, 2011. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a new city with new friends. Met at the local D&D Encounters event. Some of them are new players as well. What are the three or four things I should concentrate on, stress, highlight, showcase, emphasize for the first night of my first campaign with new people? Wow, that's mm, yes. that's kind of a crazy question. At, you know, it depends on your role-playing style. Mm, it, yeah. it depends on what you want the campaign to be. I don't know. You didn't give us anything about the campaign, so yeah. 
you know, if it's all dungeon-y stuff, if you want more role-playing, if you want, you know, like, characters that are very specific, characters that are kind of general, I don't know. Uh, this this question is kind of broad. If, obviously, we, we have failed you in that we, we waited so long to tell you. <laughs> but um, if, you can, if you can write us back and, and tell us maybe a little bit more specifically what you're what you specifically want, right, we can right. give you how to how to implement that. It's kind of the luck of when you send things in and when we yeah. record. Because the last <laughs> yeah, time we recorded, I think, was... It was in like, January. Yeah, the day before you sent this email. So, Tim asks, I'm an admirer of Rodrigo's encounter designs. Even when he reuses monsters, he adds a lot of extra environmental or strategic elements to make each one unique. I do have a question, though. It seems like you haven't been using the minions as much, at least since the monkey lizards back in the day, and I was wondering what's the reason for that. Is there a lack of compelling minions in the book? Would the use of minions make it too hard or too easy for the Torkoal Tones? They seem to be rather popular amongst the DMs. How do you feel about them? And then uh, on the technical side, how would the new auto-hit magic missile work with minions? It says that a missile roll never hurts a minion, but how about a no-roll? Or it says it says a missed roll never hurts a minion. How right. about a, how about a no roll? Magic missile has basically been redesigned to nuke minions. Yeah. You can pop yes. a minion a turn. Yeah, yeah. without yeah. any problems. Um, let's see. On that, if someone does ongoing damage on a miss on a daily, for example, would that affect minions? Thank you for all you do. I was thrilled to see critical hit start releasing again after the new year. Why no minions? Why, Why no Rodrigo? Why no minions? Why no monkey lizards? Well, because for. Really, really, for only one reason, which is that you know I picked the monkey lizards because they were evocative of what I wanted mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. with the lunar monsters. The same reason for the mon- monkey lizards is the reason for the big ass lunar dragon that they fought on the ship. Same, same deal. Just for this fight, the monkey lizards were optimal, and they make very good persistent pests. Um, yeah, they did. <laughs> and. You know, it's the same deal with the dragon. For in, in Celestial Crusade, I haven't used any minions so mm-hmm. far, I don't think. Because the um, the Candleheads and the Warblers are a solid threat that nobody could really deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, because they couldn't track them down and because they couldn't, uh, couldn't actually, you know, didn't know what they were about. They were attacking intelligently and stuff and you know a mass of minions you can probably track a mass of minions to their nest and eradicate them a lot easier so really that's the only reason um it's not that i hate minions it's not that minions are a problem um i just have not had a need to use any minions recently okay here's a good one that i kind of responded back um we Kind of inter- How dare you? I know, but I, I kind of responded because this is a person that was kind of moving soon. But this kind of goes back to um, the conversation that we had with Scott Johnson a while ago about... Um, oh, that, that guy whose yeah. parents weren't into d right, right, because they were very religious. Now, right. check this out. Mm-hmm. This is from somebody else. This is from Anthony. Hey, guys, love the show. I wanted to get your feedback on something. I'm going to be moving soon, and one of the many fortunate, uh, fortunate changes this will bring is being geographically closer to my family, namely my mother and grandmother. The town I'm moving to is the small and sleepy variety, and I've discovered there's no comic or hobby shops for 40 miles in any direction. God help me. <laughs> I made the commitment 40? in passing that I, uh, that I was amused by the thought of DM- DMing a game for my mom and grandmother. To my surprise, my mom said it's something she would be willing to try. Hmm. I was especially surprised by this considering D&D Magic the Gathering were the types of games I wasn't allowed to play as a child because they would uh, set me on the devil's path, yeah. is what she says. 
or what he says. Uh, I'm curious if any of the Critical Hit teams has any suggestions for this unique situation. If my grandmother decides to play as well, I face the additional potential challenge her lifetimes of hyper-religiosity brings to the, uh, to the game. How do I make this game fun, agreeable, and not overly offensive for a couple of women who are uh, beginning to become set in their ways if they're not there already? My response to him was, um, have you thought about making the characters that the mother and the grandmother plays divine characters fighting an evil demon god slash devil and that would put it more into similar mm-hmm. to what they would uh, right. believe themselves to be I, in life. Even then that can be a little yeah, would go with the exact opposite. Honestly, you would yeah, make I them would, evil fighting no, 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 no. Not that. De- totally avoid from, mm-hmm. the divinity entirely. Like, mm-hmm. make them martial. Like, it doesn't matter which one. Make them something that's not going to deal a lot with uh, religion and not a lot with uh, I Demonic would avoid the images. shaman. Mm-hmm. And I would avoid anything that could be considered evil, so probably avoid tieflings. Tieflings, warlocks, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, build it so as everything is, you know, it's just straight up classic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Uh, and no shades of gray. It's yeah, all no black shades and of white. gray, all black right, right. and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, set them on, you know, make sure they re- understand that they're good, mm-hmm. that they'll be fighting evil, uh, but avoid any of the religious undertones, any of the uh, yeah. other things. And I. Alex may actually want to pipe in on this question since that's okay. more his forte than any of the rest of us. Um, you know, he did write back and he said, I, you know, I considered that, but I also have considered keeping the world that they're playing in as a polytheistic, polytheistic world and having Christianity be a fairly new religion with them being crusaders and slash missionaries. Um, I think you can get into trouble with that. Yeah. Um, be interesting. My, my thought would be, you know, look at... Disney movies, mm-hmm. you know, in Disney movies you have like in Sleeping Beauty, you have the good guy who's a prince basically fighting, you know, Maleficent's minions and then at the end he fights a witch dragon. <laughs> um, you know, you look at Hercules, Hercules is clearly a good guy, everybody else is clearly a bad guy, and why is it okay for him to punch those things? Because they're monsters. Don't have them fight people. Don't have them, yeah, anything humanoid. And again, don't don't be like, you know, it's like, okay, a goblin attacks you. I kill it. The goblin goes, why? I was just doing this because I can't eat. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's see if we can get Alex in here on this. So you, hear so the you heard the question, right? Yeah, I heard the question. So what's your response? Um, Well, first of all, forgive my voice. I've uh, <laughs> been losing it lately. Yes, I have. (laughs) Um, This is actually something that I have been struggling back and forth with for a good amount of time. I'm actually currently running a D&D game for a relatively new, or actually quite a new group of people that have been gathered mostly for uh, semi-religious reasons, um, as well as others, but um, really I've gone back and forth on this over and over again. Um, I've considered running anything from, uh, you know, basically something that resembles a classic story from, like, the Old Testament, say, where, you know, the players are taking a group of people out of slavery to the promised land, to any number of things. Um, And really what I've settled on is allowing the players themselves to set the tone, um, present them with moral decisions, 
and allow their decisions to be what occurs. So and also make sure that those decisions are right. Don't punish them. Don't don't say choose this or that and then when they choose that be like that was the wrong choice. Like, yeah. Allow them to set the tone that way. Exactly. Like you don't want to be judging what they're doing. You're allowing them to um sort of stretch out and consider what they would do in this situation. Um, so it's not necessarily, you don't want to create a world where you are telling them whether they are right or wrong. Um, you want to provide them with options and then let them, um, you know, basic, not necessarily test their faith really, but to outline what they th- what they believe. And I think that's really the better way to go about it. Okay. Anything else? Anybody else want to follow up on anything else? I'm good. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I get a warehouse set for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Graham asks, "Hey guys, love the podcast. Can you please explain how multi-classing works?" P.S. Randis is still the best. <laughs> what is wrong with these crazy people and their love of Randis? Hey, you know Randis has got a lot going for him in that he is Especially not played by you. I <laughs> am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how does multiclassing work? Multiclassing is used to be pretty straightforward in that <laughs> um, multiclassing was handled through feats. You would take a multiclassing feat. Um, so you just took a feat to say, I am multiclassing into fighter. Let's say you're a cleric, you're multiclassing into fighter. Um, these uh, feats have prerequisites usually tied to the central ability of that class. Um, afterwards, you take other feats to swap out your normal powers for powers of other classes. And then uh, with the uh, power books, they also introduced some other feats that allow you another benefit from that class Mm -hmm. from when you got to Paragon Path, if you were Paragon multi-classing, to alleviate that downfall you get for Paragon multi-classing. Now, once you multi-class, you qualify as that class for anything that just has that class as a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Orem is a multi-class sword mage, mm-hmm. which means he can take sword mage feats, which right. he has. We actually retrained right. him into Intelligent Blade Master so mm-hmm. that he could get that extra like two points of damage out of his uh, melee basic attack. Um, the other way of multi-classing is when you make a character from the beginning to make him a hybrid. Hybrids are from the PHB 3. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... All in the PHB 3 are included most classes, and I think if any new classes have come out after that, they include their own hybrid yes. stuff. Yeah. The Assassin um, would really be the only other one. Right. Yeah. Um, so what that does is it basically splits you down the middle, says here are some cleric stuff, here's some fighter stuff that you get to the beginning, but you do not get all the class features of both. Right. Um, it looks at you wear the lightest armor out of all of them, you only get certain bonuses and then you can take feats to essentially round out your features and then basically every level you know it doesn't quite necessarily play like this but every level is like you take one fighter power then you take one cleric power then you take one fighter power then you take one cleric uh, power that actually works a little differently than that uh, start out with since you get two at wills you get one at will from either mm-hmm. uh, your encounter and daily powers can come from either one of them right your at second level you get a utility power from either one of them uh, at third level, when you get another encounter, it has to come from the opposite one. Mm-hmm. The and then from then on out, your encounter powers can come from either. You just have to have one from each, and everything else can come from whichever one you feel like. 
Uh, same thing happens with daily at level five and utility at level six. Hmm. Okay. Is that everything? I think so. All right. Yeah. One more. Uh, this is kind of a follow-up from uh, one of our, our listeners who's stationed in the military, uh, Starf- Staff Sergeant Joe Gates, who's written to us a couple times. Uh, he says, hi, I'd sent you a couple of emails with some questions about getting back into D&D. This was well before Christmas of last year. Mm-hmm. Your answers were quite great, as well as the information on Critical Hit. Well, my family took the hint and sent me the core set. Nice. Dungeon Delve, uh, Rules Essentials, and some published modules from levels 1 through 10. Thanks so much for nice. the information and advice. He sent a picture, I'm guessing, from his uh, from his tent on his bunker with his, nice. Uh, nice. With his nice. book. So. <laughs> Hopefully... Staff Sergeant Gates, that you are able to uh, get some other, um, some soldiers. other uh, soldiers to play along with you, and that you're having a good time with that. And again, thanks for serving uh, mm-hmm. wherever you are, and please be safe. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed everything. Uh, we will be back next time to tell you more uh, fantastic tales of what's going on in our Celestial Crusade. So until then, if you have any questions, just send it to us in an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. You could probably actually call our Major Spoilers hotline. That number is 725-727-1939 is that uh, hotline number. You can leave your question there. We probably won't play it uh, in the show. We'll probably ask the question, summarize what you said, and and um, give you the answer or maybe edit it back in. Just depends on my mood that right. week. All right, everybody. Thank you so much uh, once again. And you can find all the Critical Hit archived episodes over at iTunes and the RSS feed or over at Majorspoilers.com. And so until we meet again, here's hoping all of your dice rolls are Critical Hits. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.